Welcome to the Cochrane Community Church Podcast. We're so happy that you're joining us, and we look forward to how Jesus will impact your life through this message. See, at Cochrane Community Church, our mission is simple. We want to share the love of Jesus so that our families, our community, the next generation, and the world will know Him as Savior. And this means that we strive to be a loving, Christ-centered community of believers. We just want to say thank you so much again for taking the time to tune into this episode. And at this time, please sit back and relax and enjoy this week's episode. A truly engaging arrangement of that uh, wonderful song. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. I love that. Thanks to the worship team for that. Glad to see you here today. Um, I know that a lot of you have been asking me about Donna. You know what's going on with her. She had gallbladder issues. She's been in the hospital since uh, Thanksgiving morning at 1 o'clock in the morning. I took her to Meadville, and then they moved her to Erie because there was nobody working on Thanksgiving in Meadville. So they moved her to Erie, and they've been working to get her potassium levels right and do all of this stuff, and they... uh, cleared a blockage, and then yesterday they removed her gallbladder, and she was supposed to be released today, for those of you who are asking, released, like she's getting out of prison, right? I guess it's kind of like that. She was supposed to be discharged today, and then she just texted me a little bit ago and said, nope, it's going to be tomorrow. And so prayers continue. Thank you for praying. Thank you for all your encouragement and all of that. She's doing really good. She's got great spirits, and man, are they taking really good care of her up there. So uh Thank you uh, so much for all of that. There's so much going on around here, isn't there? And so much to, to get through and to talk about as we begin our new series today. But I want to start with um, um, Isaiah chapter 40, which is going to be our theme verses for the next few weeks. Verses 1 through 5, and it says this. Comfort, comfort my people says our God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level and the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Watch this. Rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. To save us all from Satan's heart, yeah. and we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, oh, tidings of comfort and joy. <laughs> Oh, 
Ah, there we have it. I know, right? God rest you, merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Very familiar words to a very familiar Christmas song. And what's so cool about that song, and we've been singing it for so long that, like Steve said earlier about O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, we miss the gospel and the messages that are in these Christmas songs that we're so familiar with. And this is one of those. It's a clear proclamation of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And what's even cooler about that is the actual correct, unedited, politically incorrect Christian words of that song. Remember, Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power was actually in that animated movie, very popular animated movie. And praise the Lord for that. But I want us to think about that first line one more time. Again, God rest ye, merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. We've been singing that since we were kids. When I was back in school, and we did, we sang that in school, and we would do that at our Christmas play in public school. Uh, all the familiar Christmas songs. And Pastor Eric Raymond wrote a neat little article about this particular song. He said that the song could date as far back as the Reformation because actually in a Shakespeare play, Shakespeare says, rest ye merry gentlemen. And so it could have came from that and we're just not absolutely sure, but it was in a Charles Dixon, Charles Dickinson, Dickinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who I mean. It was in one of his... Uh, uh, stories that that song really gained popularity and but what what we want to consider are the first words uh god rest rest here is the idea of being stationary in this archaic verbiage okay it's not about uh, i mowed the lawn and i need to sit down and rest it's not that it's more like be secure in the knowledge rest in the knowledge type of idea he's like god rest ye merry gentlemen it's about being made joyful in god by God himself, rest in this fact. Be secure in this. And the song goes on into the reason we can be made joyful and secure. They said, don't let anything dismay you. Let Let nothing be dismayed. Do not be dismayed, right? Why? Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. Let's understand this, the need for joy, the need for encouragement instead of dismay, the need for someone or something to save the world. As stated in these lyrics, a very long time, started a very long time before this song was written. The need for a savior, like shortly after creation, really, the need for a savior. And our verse for today, again, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Comfort, comfort. What is that? Don't be dismayed. Let nothing dismay you. This is written by the amazing prophet some 700 years before Jesus appeared on the scene, Isaiah. And you see, Isaiah writes these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit during a stormy period in the history of the Israelites, which there were many, brought about by the expansion of the Assyrian Empire, the decline of Israel, as one author said. Isaiah warned them that because of their sins, Um, Judah would be defeated and brought into captivity by the Babylonians, the nation that finally defeated the Assyrians and took their place as a superpower of that era. Now, this didn't happen for some time. But suffice it to say, the Israelites have, for the most part, forgotten what God had done for them in the past, as usual, and continued their downward spiral, much to their demise. But it wasn't over yet. It wasn't over yet. There was hope. The title of our Advent message, 
for today. Hope. Comfort, comfort my people. Let nothing you dismay. Let nothing dismay you. What is hope? Hope is a feeling of expectation and desire, expectation and desire for certain things to happen. A feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Hope. Advent. Advent means the arrival of a notable person or event. That's what we celebrate this leading up to Christmas. It's a feeling of expectation and desire for something to happen. And the opposite of hope is despair. And I will submit to you that the, the writings of Isaiah and the song, uh, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, both reference despair but they point towards hope, don't they? Comfort. Comfort, my people. Rest. Rest in God, you happy people. Be happy. Remember, Christ our Savior is born on Christmas Day. I shared with you some of the things in my life that were fun at Christmas time, you know, like uh, uh, some of the traditions that we've had on Christmas Eve that were really fun. But one of the big things that I remember, and I actually continued it on to my kids, was, you know, as leading up to uh, Christmas Day, I would tell my parents, you know, I really hope Santa brings me this. I really would like this for Christmas. Boy, it'd be great. Oh, look, there's the commercial for that thing that I really hope Santa brings me for Christmas, right? Now, Santa was really good about bringing some of the things that uh, I had talked about growing up, right? as a kid, as Christmas approached. So what would happen is Christmas morning, I would have so much hope and desire and hope for, for uh, that, that thing that I wanted. Like one year, I remember it was a Hot Wheel garage. It was three stories tall and had an elevator in it. I mean, you could put your Hot Wheel in it, hit the button and go up to the top. It doesn't get any cooler than that. And actually, I was thinking today as I was going through this that uh, I gave away two full cases of Hot Wheel cars Vintage 1960s, 70s Hot Wheel cars when I was a teenager to one of, my, one of the neighborhood kids. And he's probably living in Hawaii now with the funds from all of those Hot Wheel cars that I gave away to him. But anyway, what would happen is we'd go to bed on uh, Christmas Eve, right? And in the morning, we'd wake up and uh, we'd go out in the living room all excited and Santa would have came, right? There'd be presents sitting there. We'd open our presents in anticipation and hope. We had this hope, this desire for something to happen. And we would finish and... and um, usually that, that special thing that I really wanted wouldn't be there. So I would be dismayed, right? I would be let down. And, uh, but lo and behold, my dad, every year we got, we caught on after a while. He would say, I think I heard Santa Claus in our bedroom last night. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure he came in our room. There's presents in there. And so we'd go, what? You know, after all surprise, we'd go running in there. Sure enough, there'd be presents in there. And uh, the hope uh, was realized then because we'd bring them back out, open them up. And like that one year, for instance, there was my Hot Wheels garage, three stories. Boy, I wish I had that today. I'd still play with it if I had it, by golly. I would. I would still play with it. But you see, think about a time in your life when you really hoped something would happen. I hoped that Santa would bring me that present, but I, at first it wasn't there, and my hope would be dashed into despair until I was told that Santa left presents in the bedroom, and I'd go in there, and my hope would be restored. And, and how about you? You know, where have you hoped for something? A time in your life when you really hoped something would happen. Like maybe for you, it was you hoped you would have your first child. You'd hope you'd have a child or a grandchild or get a specific job or graduate from school or get good grades in school or receive a cool 
Christmas gift, get engaged and, and, or something, right? And it can go either way. We can either have it realized, maybe it happens, and maybe it doesn't. Hope can turn into despair then. And I hate that. And I want us to look at a cool little story uh, from the book of Matthew, talking about hope and despair. So turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 8. Cool little Jesus story. And I love this. This is talking about hope and despair. And Jesus is out doing his thing. If you get to Matthew uh, chapter 8, he'd, uh, the Sermon on the Mount had happened in chapter 5 to the end of chapter 7. And then here he is. He's just out doing his thing, what he does from after the Sermon on the Mount. So let's look at this cool little story that goes with our topic for today. And it's titled, The Faith of the Centurion. And it says this, starting in verse 5, chapter 8, verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Stop there for a minute. This is despair. Think of the despair of the centurion. We can surmise that the, the centurion, which, which signifies an upper rank in the Roman military, was a Gentile. I don't know of any instances of Jewish people being in the Roman military. Maybe, I don't know. But like I said a few weeks ago when we talked about the leper, Jesus' reputation apparently preceded him, right? And this guy, in his despair, goes right to him, just like the leper a couple weeks ago that we talked about. Author Craig Blomberg put it this way, Orthodox Jews would have considered the centurion unclean because of his race and despised him all the more because as a symbol of Roman subjugation. You always got to put things in context. This was a terrible time. And Jerusalem was under uh, 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 Roman rule. Okay, They would have been the police. The Roman military would have been the police. All of that area was under Roman rule. And so this is strange that he would even do that. But like the leper, the centurion approaches Jesus with remarkable respect. He submissively calls him Lord. And he needs help. And I love Jesus' simple response there. You need me to swing by? You know what I mean? It's like, you want me to stop over? What are you guys doing later? You want me to bring anything? I don't know. You know, you want me to come over? What do you want me to do? And I love that. And it's the first step in defeating despair is hope, right? He has hope. What's hope? A feeling of expectation for a certain thing to happen, isn't it? He apparently knows who Jesus is. Jesus is lowly, typically in his eyes, but he knows what Jesus can do, and he approaches him in his despair, which is even weird in itself that he would care about a servant, apparently paralyzed, for crying out loud. That's even strange in itself. It's a slave, one of his servants. What is hope? A feeling of expectation for a certain thing to happen. About a year and a half ago, Donna's dad passed away down in Tennessee. And uh, Donna's dad and stepmom lived there all by themselves. They had no family around, nobody, just them two, all the way down there in Tennessee. And uh, he passed away suddenly. And there's Donna's stepmom with a house, 40 years of contents and property and a shop, a wood shop, and she's down there by herself, and she is not able to make 
decisions concerning those kind of things. So we go down there, what do we do? So we have to make the decisions, right? We were in a lot of despair. What do we do? I mean, bringing Joyce up here with us was, was a no-brainer. We knew we were going to do that. But what about the house and the contents and the property and the shop and, the, and all of that? What do we do with all of that? We didn't know. So we thought, maybe we have an auction. You know, have somebody come and auction off all the contents. Okay, well, who's going to stay there that whole time with Joyce and make all that stuff happen? That's going to take weeks to pull all this off, right? We had somebody come over, look at all the contents and everything. He had these stipulations. And then finally, he, he just says something like, I'll tell you what, I'll buy the house and all the contents and everything. Just buy, I'll just buy everything. And lo and behold, it worked all out. We worked it all out. And <laughs> praise the Lord, our despair turned uh, to hope. And hope was realized when we were able to, uh, after lots of prayer, our despair was turned into hope. It all went through and worked out perfectly. And, uh, and that was taken off of our plates. And we were so worried about that and a feeling of expectation for a certain thing to happen. And it happened within a week, you know, within a couple of weeks beyond anything we ever thought possible. And I'll submit to you that in your despair or pain or uncertainty or hardship, whatever you or someone you know may be facing, you can't just sit on your hands. You acknowledge the issue. You pray about it, and you take steps forward. He approached Jesus, didn't he? The centurion. We called the auction guy, right? I mean, the list goes on and on. you got to take steps, whatever that looks like in your, your, your circumstance. Maybe you need to go to counseling. Maybe you need to get on a budget. Maybe you need to go to the doctor. Maybe you simply need to get out your Bible and get on your knees and pray for a solution. The centurion, just like the lepers a few weeks back, understood, right? You see, hope quite often comes from a place of suffering. Hope often comes from a place of suffering. Look at this, number one. Hope is found in a person. If I only had the faith of that centurion... Right? If you know much about the prophecy of Isaiah, you know that the comfort he speaks of will come in the form of a person. And a centurion meets him face to face 700 years later. What? I just got goosebumps. I did, just thinking about that. Look at this. Go to verse 8. This is awesome. Gosh, I just love this. I couldn't wait to get up here and share this with you. The centurion replied, Lord, look at this. I do not deserve to have you. What? You got to put this in context, right? I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Look at this. But just say the word. Oh, the faith of this guy, right? Just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. All right, I'm in charge. I'm the boss. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. The centurion's despair brings humility, doesn't it? And these verses are loaded with implications. Again, context is key. The Roman soldier, military guy. 
This lowly Jew, Jesus, calls him Lord. Roman rules oppressive. And Jesus says to the guy, you want me to come over? And he says, what? I don't deserve you to come to my house. Why would he say that? Again, author Craig Blomberg said that maybe he recognizes the barriers of ritual uncleanliness that would have prevented a Jew from entering his home. But he amazingly believes in Jesus' ability to cure his servant from a distance by a word of command. Do you think Jesus' reputation preceded him? Do you think this guy stepped forward in despair? Number two, hope comes to the undeserved. The centurion said it himself. Said it himself. I don't deserve you to come under my roof. I'm unworthy. It's like, I'm not even a Hebrew. I don't even know anything about you guys and what you believe. I don't, I don't know this Yahweh thing. Why, why you... Why you uh, just use consonants when, you're, when you say his name. I don't know. I don't understand any of this. I've never read a Bible. I've never been to a synagogue. None of this. This is humility, isn't it? I'm, I'm unworthy, he says. And maybe you are here or you're at home watching and, and you feel unworthy today. Maybe you feel so distant from God or so steeped in sin or so unlovable that Jesus could never have a relationship with you. That's a lie of Satan. Look at the evidence. There's evidence right here. We just read it. Look at the evidence. As the song says, Jesus came to save us all from Satan's power as we have gone astray. For God so loved the what? The what? That's all inclusive, isn't it? centurion says, I don't deserve you to come over to my house. And guess what? We, we, we don't deserve it, do we? We'll never be good enough or do enough or clean ourselves up enough or uh, say enough Hail Marys or go to confession enough or sweep enough senior citizens' driveways or shovel snow. We'll never be able to do it. And that's why Jesus came to begin with. Hope is found in a person. And hope comes to the undeserved Look at this, verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. I'd love for Jesus to be amazed at my faith. He was amazed. And he said to those following him, okay, he's looking around. He's looking around at those people that are there. Like, are you guys getting this? He said, truly, I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel, you Jewish people that are listening to me, with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and, it will, t- and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the faith of this Gentile, this Roman military guy, amazes Jesus. And Jesus looks at those gathered around. Those that think they they know it all and they got it all figured out. And he says, I don't know about you, 
But uh, I haven't even seen Jewish people with this much faith. And get this, he says, he, he says, people from all over everywhere, all people groups, all walks of life, Gentiles, Jews, Romans, centurions, people from the East, people from the West, you name it, with this kind of faith in me, will find their place in heaven. And basically he says, presumably to, presumably to the Jewish people listening, don't think your space is guaranteed just because of your heritage. Puts, gives it to him straight. As a matter of fact, he says, some of you won't make it, and it's not going to be any fun. And sometimes we think we got it all figured out, don't we? We do. We think we, we, we got it all figured out. We follow all the rules. We do everything that we think is necessary. And sometimes, it, like he says, you might think you're doing all the right things. The year was 1977. One of the biggest rock bands in the history of the world was coming to the Cleveland Richfield Coliseum, the home of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Anybody remember the Richfield Coliseum where the Cavaliers used to play? They tore it down. It's gone now. But anyway, it was brand new in like 1975 when I was a teenager. 1977, one of the biggest bands in the world were coming to the Richfield Coliseum. Led Zeppelin. Some of you know who Led Zeppelin is. Some of you think I'm crazy and you can't believe I'm a pastor that actually said those words. I know, right? But anyway, Led Zeppelin, the biggest band in history, is coming to the Cleveland, Cole- coming to the Richfield Coliseum. And my sister and I, she was older than me. I was probably in 10th or 11th grade. We got to get tickets. We got to get tickets. And I'm like, yes, we got to get tickets. So the way that they did it was so weird. If you had to write a check or a money order for the amount of tickets that you wanted, put it in an envelope with a self-addressed stamped envelope, send it in to the ticket place, Ticketmaster or whatever. Then they would draw, and if you got your envelope drawn, they would mail you back your tickets and your self-addressed stamped envelope. Because the band is so huge, if you know anything about them, they were, the tickets would be gone in minutes if they did it any other way. So that's what, how they did it. Don't ask. There wasn't any computers back then, kids. You couldn't get, there was no internet. You couldn't get online or do anything. It didn't exist. So we had to do everything the analog way. Mail, regular snail mail. And we hoped. And that feeling of expectation and desire for tickets to this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. As a matter of fact, they, they had to break up because their drummer passed away just a few years later. and they, they didn't tour anymore after this one. It was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. We followed all the rules. We acted as fast as possible. We checked the mail day after day after day. And finally, our envelope came. And it's like, tear it open, tear it open. And imagine our dismay when the check was in the envelope and not tickets to the concert. Imagine our despair. But we did everything. We followed all the rules. We had our, we had our envelope open there first. Ours was first. I know it was first. If we didn't make it, we followed all the rules. And Jesus said to his followers, right, don't think your space in heaven is guaranteed. And when we get to heaven, Peter the bouncer is going to be at the gate. And he's going to say, why should I let you in? Why should I let you in? And he has a big lever right here to the hatch. And there's only one answer. Because I had Jesus Christ as my Savior. It's the only answer. Because I have faith in Jesus. Your space in heaven isn't guaranteed. Lastly, verse 13. 
Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. Hope becomes reality through faith. Hope is a future. Hope is an anticipation, a future. Hope becomes reality. The hope of the centurion that his servant would be healed becomes a fact. Becomes a reality. Jesus says, go. Let it be done as you believed it would. The faith of the centurion defeated his despair. Look at the words of Isaiah again. What's he say? Comfort. Comfort my people. My research showed me that the verbs are plural imperatives, like bring comfort, bring comfort, commanding someone or something unnamed in this passage to bring comfort to those whom the Lord still calls my people. I told you, they've been so far away from God, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And comfort, comfort, my people, they've abandoned him, but he has not rejected them. They have abandoned him but he has not rejected them. And one author put it this way. He said this. He said, like tiny children, they have stumbled in the uncertain paths of the world and will be bruised by their fall, but they have a God rushing to pick them up in his arms. Do you need to hear that this Christmas? Do you need that hope? A God rushing to pick you up in his arms. Israel's in despair. The centurion was in despair. Our world today is in despair. And maybe you're here or you're watching at home and you're in despair too. Jesus is rushing to pick you up in his arms. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light, life. That defeats despair, doesn't it? Hope is the expectation for something to happen. It's found in a person. It's available to the undeserved, and it becomes reality when you put your faith in Jesus. Hope comes from a place of suffering. Listen, hope comes from a safe place of suffering. And Jesus, Jesus' suffering brought hope to completion. Jesus' suffering brought hope to completion. And if you're in despair today, if you, no matter what it is, maybe Jesus is your Savior and you're still having a hard time calling out to him. Maybe he's not your Savior and you are just living in, in, in this terrible despair. He wants to pick you up in his arms, right? He wants to give you hope. He wants you to feel it. Even if you don't feel like you deserve it. The centurion definitely said, hey, I, I don't deserve this. Maybe you're in despair. God wants you to hear today, comfort, comfort. Comfort, comfort. It's not in the Bible, but the words of the song say, hey, let nothing you dismay, let nothing dismay you. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. 
own that. If he's not your savior yet, make that happen today. Just just start just pray that now. Yes, I believe. I believe, Jesus, I believe. And if your faith is weak, you've been a Christian for years and years, and your faith is weak right now, reach out to him. What does he say? Jesus, Lord, Lord, he says, Lord, the centurion came asking for help, asking for help. Do that and feel the peace of God that passes all understanding. I let a rule in your hearts. Dear Lord, we just bow our heads before you. Thank you for your word. Maybe we're in here today or watching at home and despair is not a thing right now, but it will be. Life has its ups and downs. And maybe we are walking in despair this morning and barely could get out of bed, turn on the TV, turn on the computer to watch the the service today. Or maybe it was really hard to get out of bed and come into this place today, Lord, because of despair, because of depression. And Oh, Lord. Jesus, you came that we may have life and have it to the full. You came for the forgiveness of sins. You came to comfort your people, to save us all from Satan's power. May we draw from your comfort. May we get our hope knowing who you are and knowing what you've done and knowing that it's been done. It's been done. You did it for us. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand? We hope you found this week's episode relevant and encouraging. We just want to say thanks so much for taking time to listen. And if you'd like, please feel free to share it with a family member or a friend. We would really appreciate it. If you'd like more information about Cochrane Community Church, go online and visit ccubchurch.org. Well, that's all the time we have this week, but we would love for you to join us back here next week as we continue to see what it looks like to live a countercultural lifestyle for God. And from all of us here at Cochrane Community Church, we just want to say that we pray that God blesses your faithfulness. We'll see you back here next week.